Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Before you skip this episode and say, hey, inflation, it's really boring, doesn't sound like a topic that'd be interesting, um, you might not have an interest in inflation, but inflation has an interest in you. So I really want you to pay attention, learn, and um, yeah, so sit back and listen, and hopefully there's some good takeaways. Please reach out. Let me know your thoughts. If this was helpful, if you have other questions, again, go to the Facebook group, type them in, let me know, reach out. It'd be great to hear from you. So I want to answer basically three questions, and that's what I'm going to take the entire podcast to go through, which is what is inflation? Why does it matter to you? And how can you prepare yourself against inflation? So we're going to address those, and my goal is to prepare and inform you, right? So let's get some definitions out of the way. So Merriam-Webster defines inflation as a continuing rise in the general price level, usually attributed to an increase in the volume of money and credit relative to other available goods and services. It's really boring. Basically just, hey, what you are paying for something is more than what it used to be. That's inflation. So in other words, if the numbers of dollars in the system go up way more than the availability of goods and services in the economy, then we can get a supply shortage and price increases. That's probably a more layman's term. Um, But inflation is really a tax that disproportionately impacts those that don't own assets. So if you don't own stocks or real estate, businesses and all that stuff, It's a tax that's never really passed by lawmakers. Inflation is, in my opinion, theft. We don't need inflation for a healthy economy, and it's a lie that's been told for far too long. I hope we see a day where we don't live in an inflationary world, as it'd be a much better place for a lot of different reasons, and we'll get into some of those. There's a fantastic book that I read that's really um, encouraged me about this and someone that I really have enjoyed following since I read the book. The book is called The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is the Key to an Abundant Future by Jeff Booth. Jeff has a great pinned tweet that if you follow him on Twitter, you'll learn a ton. But he says that we are told we need inflation. This is not true. It only seems true because the rules of the game were designed that way. And that is spot on. So, okay, enough of Isaiah pontificating to you, but inflation is here and we need to learn how it's affecting us. So the first type of inflation is monetary inflation. So think about the number of dollars in the system, in the financial system. That's exactly what we've seen. Since the great financial crisis, we've seen 75% of all the U.S. dollars ever created in human history being created, right? M2 money supply is 100% financial jargon, right? But what it is, is it's a measure of money supply that includes cash, checking deposits, savings, and easily convertible near money. When looking at the growth of M2, it looks like a hot stock going up and to the right. You know, it's looking like AMC. Um, You know, it's, it's absolutely going bonkers. And with that, The Federal Reserve, who's responsible for uh, deciding monetary policy, actually quit publishing the chart in 2021 and said, hey, we're not going to publish this anymore. It's like in The Wizard of Oz where they kind of expose what's going on and they're like, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain, right? And that's a major issue. So like, why aren't they publishing something they've been publishing since the 80s? More people are starting to wake up to the fact that when it costs zero dollars to create money and there is no limit, there are going to be ramifications down the road. In other words, it's not about prices going up. It's about the amount of money in the financial system going up. That's the key. So if you have more money, that's what's going to drive prices going higher. So the next type of inflation is called the Consumer Price Index, which measures inflation from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. CPI is a flawed metric. And a lot of people, and you can read this even on Investopedia, will tell you it's a flawed metric. But it's something that still gets used a lot and we'll hear in the news in regards to maybe social security increases or even a lot of um, disability benefits that you may have, it'll tie to CPI, so it is important. I won't bore you with the exact way CPI is measured, but it's a basket of consumer goods selected by the government. There are some issues with the way that things are selected. Um, Case in point, there was a recent 
interview that was done by someone from the White House, and they basically said, hey, your grocery bills are not going up as long as you exclude beef, chicken, and pork. And it was like, well, shoot, I think a lot of people are still buying those things, and those are still going up quite a bit, so that's an issue. Um, but what CPI does is it does tell a part of the story. So CPI in September rose to the highest level we've seen in the past 13 years. So it's at 5.1%. So the story is consistent that inflation is higher than it's been normally. And we felt that, right? Like I alluded to. Meat prices, pork, chicken, and beef are all up double digits. Um, home prices nationally are up 30% year over year. Used cars are up 25% year over year. It's insane. It's absolutely insane that you can see someone um, that I would talk to um, last October was able to, I think, get $10,000 for a Subaru. They waited until April and they were able to get $4,000 more after they'd put over 5,000 more miles on the car. Doesn't really add up. But the thing is, there are major shortages when it comes to chips and different components that are going into the cars and they just cannot get them. And so they're paying more for what's there to then turn around and sell them and make more. Asset inflation is third. Asset price inflation refers to the prices and valuations of financial assets like stocks, bonds, real estate, gold, fine art, collectibles increasing over time. These are things that can be held for a while and tend to appreciate in price over the long term. Asset price inflation often happens during periods of high wealth concentration and low interest rates, a la right now. Interest rates have fallen since the 1980s from about 14% to sub 1% at times, and it has kind of bounced around there, but we are in a really low interest rate environment. So if a lot of new money is created, but that money gets concentrated in the super upper echelons of society for one reason or another, then that money can't really affect consumer prices too much, but instead can lead to speculation and overpriced buying of financial assets. We recently saw all-time highs in the U.S. household net worth, and that's part of it, right? Like you have people that already own assets, and those assets continue to get bid up and bid up, and the the folks that already own them are the ones that are... um, seen the benefit and this is no slight to any generation but you know baby boomers that have more money for retirement are absolutely seeing the benefit of asset price inflation which has absolutely happened let me be clear i am pro open markets and capitalism i am not one to say hey socialism is something that should happen or communism or any of that stuff right like i think true capitalism which we absolutely do not have today um, is a system that should reward those that are taking risks Um, those that are starting businesses, those that are savers, like all these things, that's exactly what you want. You want a market with, with capitalism, with people that are allowed to go do things, but it's not really the market that is where we're at today. And not to dive into that because we're going to stick truly on inflation. That's a problem. But due to tax policies, automation, offshoring, and other factors, wealth has concentrated towards the top in the U.S. in recent decades. People in the bottom 90% of the income spectrum used to have about 40% of U.S. household net worth in 1990, but that's recently down to 30%. The top 10% saw their share of wealth climb from 60 to 70% during that time. When broad money goes up a lot but gets rather concentrated, the link between broad money growth and CPI growth can weaken, while the link between broad money growth and asset price growth intensifies. So I know that is very specific to what we talked about. We've talked about three different things, right? So we talked about the M2 money growth, which is that money growth and CPI, maybe those aren't going to track. So a lot of people have said, hey, CPI inflation for consumer prices hasn't really gone up that much. There's not really inflation. Well, we've printed a lot of money and you've seen a lot of asset price growth as well since the great financial crisis. The S&P has been up you know, close to 14.5%, which is way higher than where it's normally been 
And it's really interesting because the working hours to buy the S&P 500 is actually at an all-time high if you measure all the way back to the 1800s. Then you have groceries going up, you have home prices going up, and the natural question is, what the heck do you do? And it is important to kind of look at all three of those measures of inflation because one might say, hey, there's not inflation, but the others are all telling you there, there is. And the, the thing right now is we have the perfect storm where all of those things are happening. So we're seeing money growing, the amount of money chasing fewer goods, CPI, which is what you are actually spending at the grocery store, just life in general. You can't maybe put your thumb on it, but things just seem to be more expensive. And then we're seeing asset price inflation where you're seeing, hey, the market's hitting all-time highs. Hey, the market's hitting all-time highs. All these different things. And it gets harder and harder for someone to catch up to that and starting to save. And if you hold cash, you're absolutely screwed. So that is the problem about where we're at today. So to answer the question, how does it affect you? First, if you're not seeing your income growing by close to 10%, your purchasing power is falling behind. And that's really hard to get a 10% raise year over year. Purchasing power just means that whatever you buy with your income, again, home, vacations, cars, healthcare, and my personal favorite, maybe it's a clinic, right? Um, remember, asset inflation and cheap debt is raising practice valuations, making it darn near impossible for young veterinarians to buy clinics. And you might not, again, be able to put your finger on why is it that these things just continue to go up in price? We're at a weird point in time with basically unlimited stimulus and money creation are really distorting prices and signals. And while the topic has a lot of nuance, that's basically what's going on. Everything that you want is going up in price, but you're not getting the same raises to offset that. And so that's what inflation is doing. And so it's important to say, how do you protect yourself? How do you think about this? How can you understand what are the rules of the game? Kind of going back to what Jeff Booth talked about and, and turn those into your favor, but also understand, hey, this isn't going to be sustainable long, long term. So there was a great tweet recently from an account called Wages to Freedom. I don't follow them, but it just got shared. And I was like, this is really good. I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to read through it. But um, I'm just going to read it here because it was excellent. And he or she, I'm not sure because I think it's an anonymous account, said, the rules of the financial world are entirely flipped. Debt equals assets, cash equals liabilities. It's crucial for your long-term future to understand these dynamics. If you have $100,000 sitting in the bank, earning half of 1%, you make $500 a year. But with an inflation at 5.3, you lose $5,300 in purchasing power. Your cash is a liability. On the flip side, low interest rate debt, less than 5%, like mortgages and student loans, are now assets. 100,000, 3.5% mortgage takes $3,500 out of your pocket in interest, but the value of the loan decreases by $5,300 a year. Your debt is an asset. So what should you do? If you have a low interest rate student loan debt or mortgage debt, keep the debt. The value of the debt is getting eaten away by inflation every single year. Instead, your cash, instead use your cash to buy assets that put money in your pocket. Now you might be wondering why bank would even loan to you if it's an asset for your balance sheet. Banks are special entities that can create money when they give you a loan. So again, for every dollar a bank takes in, $9 are given out in loans. So we live in a credit system. Um, that's just Isaiah's little adder right there. They create it out of thin air. That is true. There's a marginal cost of $0 to create money today. And if you let them pay interest, and let you pay them interest. Sorry. If you're curious about whether these rules will remain the case in the future, check out this argument from at Jason Hartman ROI, which he links to an article and I think a video that he agrees with. And he says governments really have no other choice but to keep creating money, which is also true. And again, that gets into some other nuance. But federal government has to continue 
on the path that they are of creating stimulus and, and extra money creation to keep the economy going. They've kicked the can down the road for so long, you can't just stop. It, this sounds really terrible, but it's like a drug user trying to take them off of you know drugs cold turkey and just trusting them to do it. No, like you, you either take them off of that and they're going to have super withdrawal syndromes and it's going to be really rough. And that's really what we keep doing. We just keep pushing it farther and farther to keep allowing this thing to work. Now, this is not some doomsday scenario or anything like that. This can ha this can last for a long time, but it is unsustainable. This is not something that will last forever. And so if you grew up in a Dave Ramsey household, what I just read is the exact opposite advice of everything you've ever received. But the rules of the game really changed in 2009, um, coming out of the great financial crisis. And if you're still playing by the old rules, hoarding cash, it's punishing you. If you're saving and paying down debt, it's punishing you. And I don't like saying that, right? Like being fiscally responsible should benefit you, but it really has not. And it won't. Like you're going to fall further and further behind because of inflation. So what should you do? You want to own assets during inflation. You want to own stocks. You want to own real estate. You want to own Bitcoin. You want to have investments and perhaps a practice. You want to carry low fixed. The key is fixed rate debt. You don't want variable debt right now. You want fixed rate debt. You do want to, you do not want to pay extra on those payments. Now you don't want to consume the extra cash by having a, an expensive lifestyle or just doing other things, but paying extra on your debt is not a benefit for you. You don't want to hold cash. We're in a Tina environment, which is there is no alternative. You have to get that money to put to work. Cash is a melting ice cube on a hot asphalt surface. It is going to melt away. You're going to wake up five years and you're like, man, I saved all this cash, but guess what? I can't buy anything with it. Because what I thought I could buy, I can't buy anymore. So your purchasing power is melting away. Your student loans are an asset. First, it was an investment in yourself, which I talk about a lot. But as long as you have a fixed rate debt on that, you can leverage the power of inflation to keep lowering your debt payments and take advantage of the forgiveness programs and stretch that debt out. I know that you're likely yelling at me right now saying, Isaiah, this makes absolutely no sense. I was told I need to get aggressive, pay this down. That's the responsible thing to do. Again, we are in a weird time in history that is unsustainable. And right now, that is exactly what makes sense. This will change again at some point, and it will be for the better. But for now, you need to be aware of the rules of the game. Yes, there are going to be situations that you will want to pay down debt. I absolutely agree with that. But think it through and ensure there are not a better use of funds. I can tell you there are likely a lot of better uses for those funds than paying on a fixed rate debt that is likely 5-ish, 6-ish percent that when you look at it as a real rate, when you measure it against inflation, is pretty low. The leverage or the benefits of low rates and the return of owning a practice is the best of both worlds. That's why I've pounded the table on this podcast and talked about it and talked about it and brought on guests. The benefits of ownership is really, really important because it allows you not only to have a good income, have the ability to practice your standard of care, do all these great things, but it also allows you to have an asset that's growing and keeping up with inflation that as it grows, you can raise prices, you can do these different things, and that protects you and insulates you from some of these you know, effects. Lastly, you've heard me talk about Bitcoin. I know I just played the replay of that conversation for last week's episode. I want you all to save in the best money if possible. Saving in Bitcoin protects your purchasing power. Home prices are down when you're saving in Bitcoin. You want a new car? It's down in Bitcoin price. A practice? It's down in Bitcoin price. If you're saving in Bitcoin, things are getting cheaper. So think of Bitcoin not as an investment, but as a savings tool that stacks the deck in your favor. Again, my suggestion for buying Bitcoin is dollar cost average. Maybe buy a chunk and then dollar cost average, but you want to automate it. Don't try to pick the top or the bottom. 
and time the purchase. I have talked to some people and they've gotten fortunate where when Bitcoin's prices went down, um, they have been able to buy it and they've done really well. But I just think if you consistently save and purchase that over time, that's going to be what's best. If you've owned Bitcoin for more than 37 months, you've never been down in US dollar terms. And my suggestion to where I buy personally and where I suggest people to buy a Swan Bitcoin, the link for that is in the show notes. You'll get $10 using that link. It's the first $10 you can have in Bitcoin. I want you to change your financial future by saving your hard work and better money. When you go out and you exert all that energy, you want to be able to save those funds in something that's going to treat you well. If you save in US dollars, yes, you need to pay your mortgage. Yes, you need to pay your rent. Yes, you need to pay for your student loans. And those are all demanding in dollars. I get that. But there's extra savings that you're putting aside for future consumption that you can save in Bitcoin that's going to allow you to save more and let that compound and grow and protect your purchasing power. That's all I'm after. So inflation, again, there's three different types. There's monetary, which is the amount of money in the system. There's consumer price, which is the things that you're buying, right? Groceries, car, all that stuff, consumer prices, asset inflation. So the things that you want to own. So think about investments and homes and real estate and like all those things, assets that you want to own. Those things have inflation as well. Your life is getting more expensive, but debt is getting cheaper. Some make the claim debt is not an asset. I disagree when it's used correctly, right? You can make your debt an asset if you're going and leveraging it and you're using it for smart decisions. Lastly, ensure that you don't consume the excess, but you're investing, you're saving, you're putting your money somewhere that is helping offset how much new money is coming in the system. You've got this, right? You have the roadmap. You understand what's going on. Things are coming. Life is getting more expensive. You have to find a way to allow the debt to be fixed. Don't be paying extra on it. I know it's tempting to say, hey, I have extra cash flow. I'm going to throw more money at this. I'm going to throw more money at this. Pause, step back, and understand. Debt is getting cheaper when inflation continues to go up. You need to protect yourself against that. So you've got this. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are and what you're doing to combat inflation and what questions you have. So again, jump in the Facebook group. Let me know what questions um, you have. If you think that this is wild, if you think it's you know totally wrong, I'm happy to hear that too. Let's have a good discussion. But again, this is my take on why inflation is infecting you, how to solve it, and, and some different advice there. So enjoy it. And until next time, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.